to the extent to which something is taken for granted in our lives is the degree to which it shapes us. Eating meals, coming to the table, is there, is, there's nothing more common than that. We do it three times a day usually. We constantly are eating. And to the extent that we do that and we just take it for granted, that's what shapes us. That's what makes us who we are. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus was sitting at a meal. And meals are very important to us. No matter how common they become or how simple they seem to us, they do shape us in important ways. I can remember some pretty profound meals that I've had. I remember the world changer meals that I've had from all the years going down, helping out the uh, working in the churches. I mentioned last week, one meal we would get for two days in a row was cheese Whiz sandwiches. That meal will stick with me for the rest of my life. That's a profound thing. Cheese Whiz and 107 degrees, not the meal you want. I remember looking across and seeing another group of ours getting this huge feast being dumped on them uh, day after day. That's going to stick with me. I remember the meal that I had after I asked Teresa to marry me. That was a profound meal. I remember that meal. Meals are important to us, and they are very much a part of us, and they absolutely shape us. And even the meals that we eat, and we think it's no big deal, we want to come to the table and enjoy the meal, don't we? We want to enjoy the feast. But when there's marriage turmoil, or family problems, or sometimes sickness, there's a lot of silence at the meal. And you lose your appetite. And you don't feel like eating. And all you can hear is the clank, clank of the plate. Meals are very important. And they're profound in scriptures. Even this morning, as we are in the middle of the summer season and the 4th of July week, and people are going to get together for cookouts all over the place. The Chicago Tribune put an article out in this morning's paper, Casseroles Behaving Badly. And the whole point of this article is to let people know as you go through this week, as you're hanging out with your friends for the cookout, for the meal that you're going to celebrate, learn how to do it correctly. It's so important, this mundane, common thing that we all do, that even the Chicago Tribune wrote a paper about it. This morning, I want to do three things really briefly. Is I want to encourage us and let us know that Jesus loved to share a meal. And I want to call you all to share a specific meal this month. And I'll explain that. And I want to invite us all to the greatest meal that there is. In Luke chapter 14, it starts out with this. It says, on Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees. This is what Jesus did. The Gospel of Luke is filled with meals, just filled with meals. It's all over the place. Luke is the only Gospel that has the following parables of all the other four Gospels. Luke mentions the, the, the feature food. He mentions the prodigal son who returns to a special feast. He mentions the rich man and Lazarus who Lazarus would sit and wait for the scraps to fall down from the rich man's table so he could have something to eat. Luke is the only one who mentions the two disciples at the end of Jesus' life who comes back and they're walking with Jesus on the road to Emmaus and when Jesus breaks bread with them, when they have a meal, 
He re they recognize who he is. Luke is the only one who mentions that. Luke in his gospel over 45 uses 45 different words to describe the theme of food. There's a theme of food all through Luke's gospel if you start to, re to read it. Robert Karras, who wrote a book on Luke, said in Luke's gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal, he's at a meal, or he's coming from a meal. And that's how you should picture Jesus. Whatever your picture is of Jesus when he was on earth, according to Luke's gospel and how Jesus lived, he was going to a meal, leaving a meal, or coming from a meal. Jesus loved to sit and to eat and to share a meal. What did Jesus look like at the table? Luke 7.34 says this, The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. This was Jesus speaking about himself. He goes, This is what you see when he's talking to these people. He said, You, you see John, who was the prophet. He ate locusts and wild honey. Not a big feasting guy. But when Jesus came on earth, when he walked around, they said that he was a glutton and a drunkard. This was a slam to him. This was not the picture of God that they thought that they should be seeing. In Deuteronomy in 21, they said when a kid was a glutton, a teenager was a glutton and, and rebellious, his parents could have him stoned. And then Proverbs 23 talks all about how the foolishness of drunkenness and letting your life be controlled by that. But basically, this was a slam that they were giving to Jesus. They were saying, Jesus, this son of God, this supposed to be as a prophet, he's a foolish person. He lives foolishly, not as a wise person, because all he's doing is he's eating meals with people, and he's constantly doing that. Jesus at the table is good. Jesus loved to be at the table he was friends of tax collectors and sinners. And the tax collectors were the traitors of Israel who were working for Rome, and people hated them. And the sinners were people who we just would not talk about their lifestyles, what they do. It's, it's wrong. Jesus hung out with those people, those who Jesus ate with constantly in his meals. Jesus acted completely countercultural to the social customs of his day. Because on one side, there's the Greco-Roman culture, who they ate everything when their meals was all about social boundaries. You never ate with somebody who was not in your social class. So if you were a landowner, you would never eat with a worker. So plumbers would never work with a boss. It was just the way they did it. They kept things very separate in their meals. And that's how they defined their boundaries. And then Jesus would meet with the Jews and the Pharisees were not political at all, but they were strictly following the law, and they, were, they wanted to make things pure, and they thought everything else was not pure. They ate on this scale of purity. So they would, if you were pure and right and following the law, they would eat with you. But they had a 16-level scale, and women were down at the bottom, and sinners were not even on the chart. But that's who Jesus ate with. Someone has said, even today, Back in those times, and it's still the same for us, beyond the household, people generally preferred to eat with persons from their own social class. It's very true. Even for us, unfortunately, today, it's still the same today. But Jesus, listen, approach to the table, calls us 
out and wants us to have a new perspective when it comes to this mundane thing of meals. What would Jesus see if you looked at your table? What would your table look like? Who's at your table? Who are you reaching? Who are you talking to? Jesus is very strong in what he says, who should be coming to the table. Look at verse 12 of Luke chapter 14. We don't have time to go through this whole passage. But Jesus is sitting there with this Pharisee and with these people at a symposium meal, at a U-taped table. And he's a guest, but he's looking around and he's saying, this table doesn't look right. This is not the way this table is supposed to be. And he says to them, verse 12, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. What would Jesus say looking at your table? There's all kinds of different types of tables. Some people have benches at their tables. Some people have round tables. Some people have rectangle tables in your home. What would Jesus say? There's two very specific types of tables. Jesus says, do not have a table like this. And the first one, I think, is don't have a table that looks like and makes a wedge the first six verses of Luke chapter 14, Jesus is sitting down at a table with the Pharisees. They are the rulers of the day. And this was a synagogue day, it was Sabbath day. So they went to church, and then afterwards they would go have this nice big lunch, and they were invited to this table. And as they were sitting at this table, Jesus was there. It was a very common practice for him to be there. This is not unusual. This is something that he did on a regular basis. He ate with people who were different, even Pharisees, who he was constantly going after. And right at the table... There was a man who had, says, dropsy. This is an unusual situation. Pharisees would never eat with somebody with a disease. So this is a complete setup. This is the third time. If you read Luke, this would be the third time that Jesus has been talking to the Pharisees. And so they're very upset with him. They can't figure him out. They're trying to trip him up. And so they invite him again to another meal. And this time they are watching him, it says. They're like a hawk trying to find something that they can criticize and prove that he is not who he says he is. And so they invite this guy with a disease. He's unclean. Now imagine if you were this guy with this disease, and all your life you've watched Pharisees walk past you after synagogue to go have their meal. And you know how they are towards you. You know they have no love for you. They don't care about you. They treat you like trash. And then one day you're sitting there, and the ruler of the Pharisees comes up to you and says, Hey, I'm having a lunch. We're going out to eat. Why don't you come over to my house today? This guy probably thought, This is very unusual. Should I go? I'm not sure what's going on here. Maybe these guys are changing. Maybe there's something about them that they see in me that, uh, that is improving me. Maybe there's something I can gain from this. Yes, I'll go to your lunch. And he shows up. The whole time it's just a setup. And this is what Jesus says. And behold, there was a man before him who had a dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you, having a son or an oxen that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day, will not immediately 
pull him out. Your rules don't make sense. And so Jesus did the right thing. He healed him. We'll say, why why did he send him off? Why didn't he stay and enjoy the meal with him? Because Jesus knew it was a complete setup. And if you just got healed from dropsy, you want to go home, tell your family about it, you're all excited. He was very uncomfortable already. Jesus did the right thing by letting him go. But what Jesus did not do was he did not let the table become a wedge, which is exactly what the Pharisees were trying to do. They were trying to separate them. They were trying to do this. And we got to be very careful, even as Christians. Listen, Jesus ate with sinners and outcasts. And he said, that's who we should be hanging out with. He was very comfortable doing that. He said, don't use your table as a wedge to separate. That's happened all through our history. Remember in the 40s, 50s, and 60s? You go to stores all across America. Coloreds cannot eat here. We'll serve white people only. This normal commonplace thing of eating in our own country was used, the table was used as a tragic and horrific wedge to separate people. Jesus said that's ungodly and it's wrong. It was wrong then and it's wrong today. And we as a church need to do everything we can to make sure as our culture and our area changes that we do not use our table as wedges to separate people. There was a village in World War II called La Chambeau. It was a very small community of French Protestants. And they would take in Jews all over the place. It was the safest place in Europe for Jews to live. They defined as neighbor as anyone who dearly needed help. And they asked the pastor of the village, Andrew Trachme, why do you do this? And why would you not turn over the Jews to the police when they come to your village? They would not do it. And he said this, we do not know what a Jew is. We know only men. That's somebody and a group of people and a church and a whole community who understood that you don't make your table a wedge. That's what Jesus taught You don't make your table a wedge. The table is not to be formed as a wedge. It is supposed to be a place of mixing and meeting and greeting and fellowship. Is your table a wedge? Are there certain people you won't eat with across the street or in our towns? It's easy to hand out food to people at our food pantry. But are we really inviting people in to our homes? It's a big difference. Jesus says, don't use your table as a wedge. And don't use your table as a weapon. This is exactly what the Pharisees were doing. Later on, he says he's looking around at this table. He's watching these people come for these meals. And there was about three couches in these types of meals. And so about nine people would show up and they kind of spread out and they would just, the whole point was to eat and to drink and to relax and have good conversation and good discussion. And Jesus looks around and he says, in verses 7 through 11, we won't read it, he says, listen, the way you are coming to these meals is just, it's it's a weapon. Everybody's trying to find their best spot. They want to sit in a place most respected. It's all about prestige. It's all about building yourself up and promoting yourself. Jesus says, he tells him a parable, don't do that. If you're going to a wedding feast, don't do that. 
Don't use your table as a weapon to push people down. That's exactly what we do. And that's exactly what they were doing when they would ask people to come in, and then they would jockey for position about where to sit. Who's going to sit in the best place? That's called pride. And pride is the ultimate weapon, and we can do this on purpose, or we can do this passively. You can do this very much on purpose. There could be somebody in this church who you will say, you know, I'll talk to them at church, but I'd never have them come into my house and eat. I'll be nice to them at church, but I'm a little too good for them. They're a little too goofy. They talk funny. They act funny. I don't know what they would do in my house. So I'll try to be nice with them at church, and I'll look respectable. But when it comes to my kingdom, my place at the seat, I'm not going to invite them. I work hard all week. This is my domain. My table is my place. I won't invite them in. Jesus says, you're using your table as a weapon to push people down and to hold them down. And we can also do this very passively. But just being lazy. We're just being calloused. We see people who have needs. We're talking to them. They're all over the place. They're hurting. And we're just too busy. We're just, we just don't care. We can use our table as a weapon passively by not just being lazy and careless about the people that God calls us to. Jesus says, don't do that in this passage. How does Jesus want us to have our table look? He wants it to look like a window. He wants your table and my table, how we live and eat meals in the real life to look like a window for people. Because at the end of this passage, he tells this amazing story of the great reversal that is going to take place. When Israel, they did not follow God, and God says, you did not follow me, I'm going to open up the invitation to everybody. He gives this great invitation to the last part of Luke chapter from verse 15 to verse 23. And he presents and he paints this amazing picture, a beautiful window of a great meal where he sent out people to invite them to eat. And they said no, and they came up with all these lame excuses why they couldn't do it. So Jesus says, go out and invite those who are poor and needy and destitute, the ones who are in the highways and the byways, the ones that nobody wants. Invite those to come in. Those are the ones I want you to eat with. Get them to come. That's the invitation that I want you to have. Jesus says, I want us, and I want you to live with the mundaneness of your meals and your table and make it a picture of a beautiful window that people that never would expect it, you would invite them in. People who could never repay you, could never do anything to help you out. Not to build up your social class, not to make you look good in the neighborhood, not to do anything for you. Those are the ones I want you to help out. That's a beautiful picture of a table where people can just come. Jesus was that guy. All through Luke, Jesus was that guy. He hung out with people that nobody would hang out with. He was that guy. And he says, that's who I want you to be. That can be scary. That can be costly. And we can say, we're just too busy to do that. But that's who Jesus calls us to be. Here's my challenge, Cornerstone. In this next month of July, as we're thinking about cookouts, I want us 
Go out. I want you to literally invite one of your neighbors, somebody who lives on your street, somebody that you don't talk to on a regular basis, somebody you're not having over or have never had over as a meal. I want you to invite them over to your house and have a cookout with them sometime in the month of July. Just invite them over. You say, well, that's, I don't have enough money for that. Make it simple. Have a picnic outside. Grill some hot dogs or some brats. This is what Jesus would do. You say, well, it's kind of scary. What if they don't want to come? Well, then invite somebody else to come. You say, well, I live out in the country. I don't have any neighbors. Well, go into town and find somebody and invite them to your house. Listen, this is what Jesus would do. He would go out, and he literally did this. All through Luke, he's talking about eating with people. And he says, when you have a meal, do this. He wants us to do this. I want you to do it. I want you to think of a neighbor. I want you to say, we're going to have a cookout. We've already did this. I've invited my neighbors. They've said yes. So I'm not going to ask you to do something I wouldn't do. And we're going to pray for you that gospel conversations could happen. Invite somebody from church with you. And then when they're having this conversation, you can say, how do you guys know each other? Well, we go to church together. You go to church together. And who knows what kind of conversation that could happen. Or maybe your neighbors don't like you. You think it's because you're a Christian. Maybe you're just a bad neighbor. And you've been a bad neighbor for so long that maybe if you just reached out to them and invited them to a meal, they'd say, you know what? That guy's not so bad. She's not so bad. They leave every Sunday for church, but you know what? I kind of like them. And maybe that would open up conversations. This is what Jesus did. He'd take the mundane things of life and make them ministry. So invite somebody. Think of somebody right now that you're going to go home in the next month of July where you're going to have a cookout. You're going to invite them out into your house, sit outside, roast something, eat something, and talk to your neighbors and pray that God would open gospel conversations so that wedges would be broken, that your home would not be a weapon against people, because ultimately Jesus invited us to his table. We were the poor and the needy and the worthless. We were the ones that were in the highways and the byways, and God said, I love them, so I'm going to invite them to come. I'm going to sacrifice everything for them to come. And because Jesus did that for us, it makes meals not futile because Jesus ate. It's important. Jesus said, come to me. He described himself as a meal. He said he's the bread of life. He said anybody who comes to me and drinks from me will never thirst again. He loved to eat. Jesus loved meals. He knew the importance of them. And he, he knew it was so important that he said, listen, that's what I am for you. I am your meal if you will come to me. If you will see yourself as a sinner, see yourself as helpless and broken, I can fill you up. I can satisfy you. I can give you what you long for. He says in Isaiah, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come and buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. In John 7, he says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus describes himself as a meal. He wants us to come partake of him, eat of him. You try to figure life out for yourself, it's going to be a mess. You're empty, 
You're hungry and you're starving and your life's falling apart. Jesus says it doesn't have to be that way because that's why I came. I am the ultimate meal that will satisfy. Whatever the struggle is, is marriage, children, work, family, emotional, physical, Jesus says, come, take of me, eat of me, taste of me, and then go out and invite others to taste and eat as well because I never run out. I always always satisfy. Jesus saw eating meals as ministry. So I encourage us to set another place at the table and provide an opportunity for the mundane meals to be magnificent mission. Jesus loved the table, but what he loved more was the people around the table. And he instructs us to follow him and did not follow the customs of our culture, but follow the customs of Jesus and invite people to eat and eat well. Jesus is the most satisfying meal there is. Enjoy a cookout. May I ask everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. No one looking around. Just for a second, I want you to think right now. Will you do it? Will you take the challenge? Will you invite a literal neighbor over for a meal and pray that God opens up a friendship that can lead to gospel conversations for, with people who need the bread of life, Jesus Christ? It will take some effort, but would you commit to doing that? And maybe you're hungry today. Maybe your life is empty, you're starving, there's all kinds of problems, you don't know where to turn. Jesus says if you will come to him, he will satisfy he will forgive your sins. He will give you new life, new hope, and maybe that's what you need this morning. Maybe you just need to come to the meal of Jesus and give your life over to him. Ask him to forgive you of your sins, come into your life and rescue you out of the mess that it is and feed you with life. I encourage you right now, it's silent, to ask him to do that. Come to Jesus. Right.